Welcome to the Data Rockstars Coffee Podcast with me, Kelly Peters. And me, Regina Lally. On this week's podcast, we're going to be talking about the UK adequacy decision and the Task Force on Innovation, Growth and Regulatory Reform, aka Trigger, report. Kelly, so what happened with the uh, UK adequacy decision that we have been waiting with bated breath for the last six months now? So on Monday, the European Commission was advised that by the close of play on the 16th, which is Wednesday, they had to have voted on whether or not they were going to give a UK adequacy decision, uh, which means essentially that the flow of data from Europe to the UK, if it was approved, would continue as is. And for many, I think there was that was what was hoped, even though there are concerns around activities in the UK, like I said, in, in particular to do with surveillance, the hope was we'd get an adequacy decision. However, from the initial votes that were taking place in May, because this has been quite a a long process to get to this point, Mm -hmm. the indications were that Europe were not in favour of giving the UK an adequacy decision. In fact, there had been quite clear guidance given to say you shouldn't vote for adequacy for the UK. Okay, Um, was there any kind of reason that that was prompting that advice. Yeah, so there are concerns about the level of surveillance that goes on in the UK. And even though there has to be a clear purpose that the UK governments or police use to access data, it was still felt that it was quite overwhelming because we are more surveyed than any other European country. So there was concerns that actually were we really in line with the European Charter of Human Rights? And then there's a particular exemption in the GDPR about immigration data in that from what I understand, the exemption means that you can process a whole wealth of immigration data, which again is felt to infringe on European human rights, essentially. Okay. So the, the primary concerns were they didn't feel that actually we did have an adequate regime, even though the UK GDPR does pretty much marry the EU. Mm-hmm. However, what the, I was keeping quite a, an active eye uh, on this on Wednesday evening, mm-hmm. which then saw the, the fabulous launch of the government report, which we're going to talk about in a minute, which I was like, that's typical that this gets launched and we're about to see if we get adequacy. But the on Thursday morning, the indications were that the European Union member states had agreed and voted overwhelmingly in favour of us to have an adequacy decision. Mm -hmm. Now what happens is that then just gets ratified. Eventually it gets signed off and we can continue as normal. Now you may ask how long does an adequacy decision last? It can be. That was my question. Mind reading on this Friday session, Regina. It's two to three years unless there's any legal challenge. So obviously if you go back to July last year, you'll recall that Max Schrems challenge the validity of data transfers from Europe to the US based on the safe harbour and privacy shield status. There is presumption there could be a similar type of legal action taken against the transfers from Europe to the UK because of the perceived issues that privacy activists have with the UK GDPR and like I said with the exemption and the, the surveillance and the potential risk that our laws will diverge quite a lot now that we have control 
over mm. that law uh, looks like. So for anyone listening to this, the good news is that you don't have to change any of your contracts. Your uh, privacy policies can remain as is, as long as they obviously reference the UK and European data protection laws. There's no massive effort that needs to be done. If it didn't go in our favour, we would have, by the end of June, we would have had all contracts would have had to be issued between Europe and the UK and absolute carnage would have ensued. It is a good thing, but I think it, it's not going to go with that challenge, to be honest. And yeah, I think for businesses at the moment, it's uh, continue as was. And like you say, just make sure that the privacy policies mention UK and European economic area in terms of data transfer and not too much has to change. So you do still need to consider whether or not you need an EU representative uh, to represent your uh, data processing activities uh, within the European economic area. So that's definitely something that was not reliant on the adequacy agreement that's uh, required anyway. So, but yes, in terms of what was affected by this outcome, then that's uh, it's good news and no no massive rush for 10 no. days to try and update everybody's <laughs> contracts. And gosh, could you imagine? Yeah, yeah, I don't want to imagine what that could have been. And and hopefully, I mean, there's been nothing on the ICA website to confirm this status. What this is, you know, what I've gathered is from lots of people on Twitter who are privacy professionals and reports that have come out of the European Commission to journalists okay. and stuff. I would hope that in the next few days, there will be an actual statement from the ICO clearly confirming that we have been given the adequacy decision. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be reverted, but no. just to say, you know, once it's almost unpublished, <laughs> it'd be nice to see in writing. For sure. And I think then yeah. picking up on, I think, a point you made right at the end there, Kelly, in terms of, you know, the adequacy decision lasts for two to three years, notwithstanding any legal challenge. But um, then if it's going to be reviewed and the fact that we now have, the UK now has the ability to amend, adapt, reform nice. any... Uh, <laughs> legislation that's in place that we you know we've brought through from eu law to ensure that basically that our current laws continue to make sense it's you know we've been part of the eu for 45 years obviously it's all very intertwined and it doesn't get you know like a necklace that's been sitting in your drawer for you know 10 years and you suddenly find it want to wear it again and it's all not tangled you know you've got to unpick it and i think that's probably what any changes that are going to happen you know it needs to probably be a very careful process and that's you know the reports that came out on wednesday at the same time is looking at where there may be opportunities for reform and looking at how we can as a country make changes to legislation that may not work for us or is perceived not to work for us and look at where there can be innovation growth that might be supported by reforming regulation that's perceived to be burdensome which Hmm. I think has been a perception of what comes from the EU for some time. The Mm -hmm. laws that come across have been overly restrictive. Needless to say that obviously each member state could implement them and add to them in their own way so uh, not necessarily all at the the hands of Europe, the laws that we have in this country. You know, Mm. know, they have been gone through our parliament as well and uh, so this report really sets out opportunities and areas that a group of people, a group of MPs have looked at and, and deemed that, that could be reformed and uh, I think there's you know obviously the interesting one for us there is that GDPR is stated to be an area that they can look at and try and in their eyes improve it and it was incredibly polite Regina (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to be really diplomatic it was a very interesting read from the perspective of if we think about some of the webinars that we've done over the years it's one that we do bust GDPR myths and I think we had a whole you know as we were leading up to the introduction of GDPR you know we had a whole section on that in our training sessions 
around busted myths. And I think the first one that we always used to talk about was you don't need consent to process every piece of data that you, you know, consent is not the only option. And yep. I would say that there's a misconception in this report that seems to have been perpetuated by the, the Perhaps we should send them that webinar to say, <laughs> yeah. whoever wrote this report should possibly listen to this. <laughs> Because they seem to think that the, the regulation requires consent for processing data. And I'm just going to put that out there, that that is absolutely not the case. They do allude to other lawful bases, but think that everybody's gone down the consent route. And it's right. There are other bases and, you know, a lot of people, a lot of organisations do misunderstand, um, you know. But for me, it seems like there's a big focus on trying to use the other lawful basis instead of consent and maybe it's more about educating people about the current framework than having to yeah. necessarily completely start again or reform the regulation massively because actually that's already there and yeah. you know the the only thing was that consent was tightened which has changed some behaviors within business for sure and there is a, an over-reliance or misconception on we must have consent for everything yeah but you know that's a that's a misunderstanding right across a multitude of stakeholders and it just seems a shame to me that that includes people reviewing a regulation and the mps who are, are writing and civil servants who've written this report who i'll happily be quite blunt i don't think understand this regulation at all because you know when I read it the first time I read it which was Wednesday whilst we were waiting for an adequacy decision I was just like boom <laughs> that's a great way of us not getting adequacy by saying you know essentially we're looking as a as a country we're going to be open to monetizing people's data and that that absolutely does happen uh, and there's a, a massive legal challenge going on with the ad industry at the moment for that very fact that this stealth monetizing of individuals data is wrong yet this report kind of indicates that we would be open to that in actual fact they quote figures about what people's data is worth and I'm like but that's not your decision to make it's my data I should be able to determine how my information is going to be used and if they were to reform the regulation and make it more appealing to the digital world I think we as individuals would lose out on that because I think a lot more of our rights would be removed and I think that's one of the good things that we have with this regulation is it as individuals we have the right to say i don't think so if consent for sure is going to be the legal basis um, i think uh, it's interesting because there's a sort of a big the focus on big tech platforms yeah requiring consent as part of the the contract to and you know, well it doesn't work like that you're signing up the terms and conditions of use and you know you have to read it and understand how your data is going to be used as part of that contract and where your choices lie i think the interesting thing was is that they pointed to the behavioral science around the fact that people are not likely to read that information they're not likely to and that's exploited and we know that's the case you know people mm -hmm. are happy to just go oh accept I want to read that or you know I want to use Facebook so you know okay my data is going to be used or there's a, a lack of understanding and I think framework is there within GDPR to enable and to try and enforce companies to be more transparent think people also have to be interested and want to read it and I think it's a it's got to be for me it's the implementation you know they talk about I think the phrase is pointless cookie banners um, <laughs> which um, amusing but a they've you know so many implemented wrongly because they've got the statements that are not compliant with the law cookies are, are actually governed by the privacy electronic communications regulation and not gdpr anyway so they'd need to consider privacy directive rather than gdpr for that but it's, it's the implementation of the the framework gdpr doesn't tell you how to do cookie banners the, the privacy policies to write it gives you a framework to work within you have to as an organization 
try and interpret that and your principle should be about making it understandable and engaging for your users yeah. not about mystifying them or making it so complex they just give up and make a split decision about whether or not they care about their data yeah. and some people will inherently care more than others some people will not understand and so just go I don't really care or you know I don't understand I'm going to click yes and that's what needs to change for me and it's really I, I'm not sure that what they're suggesting will have any impact on adding additional levels powers or rights and obviously there's a massive lack of detail it's sort of very early <laughs> port, but it seems to me like you say that it's about enabling maybe some of the bigger organizations to maximize our data which is probably yeah. for the good of them yeah government yeah. level and, you yeah. know the income that can potentially come into the country and that's a trade-off that you know they're looking and weighing up what the impact will be but i think we need to be aware as individuals as to how happy we are with that or not and how much genuine control we have on our data and i think as we wind this the two are intertwined i think if we if the government are going to change how data is governed by the frameworks that will have a potential detrimental impact on things like adequacy decision and stuff so you know no day is the same in the world of data protection and certainly this week has been a very interesting uh, week because of that but we do as businesses have to keep an eye on trade deals and what the government is doing in particular in relation to these regulations because they will have an impact on how we process and work with individuals in particular on the transparency fairness and lawfulness element but i will stop now because otherwise <laughs> we will overrun on this podcast we absolutely could talk about this all day and i'm sure there's some interesting times ahead for us in the world of data protection mm. i think we're going to be kept a little bit busy so if you'd like to share any of your thoughts with us or suggest ideas for future discussion then do drop us an email at coffee at dbxuk.com and we thank you very much for listening to us and in joining us in our discussions and we do hope you'll come again and listen to us next week <laughs>